Hey everybody, welcome to the official first episode of the show. This episode, uh, episode zero, we discovered we were going to do this. Episode one, we knew we had a podcast and then we're hashing out what it was going to be for you. It's meta, Ramin's art's meta, uh, is meta. Uh, we are like meta over analyzing everything all the time and having fun putting new projects together and joking and laughing and having philosophical talks along the way so we're bringing you into that world and the show continues to evolve from there so i think you're really gonna dig it Welcome to to the the first official inaugural episode of Look Ma, No Meaning, a.k.a. Shane versus Ramining, a.k.a. (laughs) the Joe Rogan podcast experience. I know there's already a Joe Rogan experience, but he was inspired by Jimi Hendrix experience, so he named it joe rogan experience we are naming it unofficially the joe rogan (laughs) podcast experience so just to clear up any confusion um let's see how's it going today no confusion so far i think we're all uh i think we have it all figured out um excellent i and you have our uh the hosts for the um look ma no meaning podcast are ramin nazer and Shane Moss, as seen on Conan, Amazon Prime, <laughs> Netflix, before Netflix took off like half of their uh, shows and replaced it with like, I don't know. Quality like, content? Yeah, qu- high quality content. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even get to actually uh, make up a fake show of what it was um, uh, in case that was interpreted as that at all. And uh, let's see, we're one day after MLK Day as this is being recorded, and it's the day before the inauguration. So anything that we miss in regards to what goes, if half of the country blows up tomorrow and we're not talking about it, this is why. It's because we didn't hear about it yet. Yeah. And hopefully it doesn't, though. Yeah, hopefully. there's, hopefully it's not blown up by the time yeah, people are listening to this. But I think... That this will be the perfect podcast for someone who is, um, you know, just trying to make their way through the um, Mad Max-ish hellscape um, that is the potential future that we have, that we can't imagine right now, but they are, in fact, experiencing. And they're probably listening and going, man, those guys had no idea what was going to happen now but we got you because much of this much of this podcast is kind of going to be about exploring motivation exploring meaning how we make sense of this experience we call life and so you might be down and out near weird new tribe of trans white supremacists (laughs) (laughs) there's gotta be right there's gotta be a trans white supremacist oh yeah Uh, there's gotta be some there's some of everything there's there's... a vegan trump supporter with like a hundred thousand listeners 
Uh, he wears the MAGA hat. He's vegan and he looks like the just typical liberal guy. But it's like, look, man, I'm just against the wars. And Trump is the only guy who is who's, <laughs> wasn't starting new wars. And, uh, you know, the tax plan. So he's just found that little niche of that. But who knows? Maybe he actually believes in it. But oftentimes I feel like so many of these people are like, wait a minute, most of the people that look like me believe in this. If I did the opposite, I would be the only gay black Trump supporter or whatever. That's how the Proud Boys started, like a hipster in Brooklyn that was like, really snowflakes need to. I I don't know enough about the guy. So but let's just take that as fact that that's that it, it was some sort of like hipster thing that started like oh. kind of as a joke in brooklyn and then i i think uh might yeah, have got out of hand how can he be racist he's 125th mexican gotcha <laughs> <laughs> uh so so oh, um Man, now I want to talk about war. So I, I guess to yeah, set things talk up, about it. let's talk about the uh, the wars and how to end them or I, start I, some new ones. Speaking I, of motivation, so uh, I've always I always talk about how I love both sides of the motivation um, coin and not like it depending on what mood you're in. But there's the side of the coin that's like you don't have to work; you just have to get in touch with the universe, and the universe gives it to you if you're just in vibrational resonance with the universe you don't have to work hard you just imagine what you want and then it'll it'll be delivered to you and then there's the other side of the coin which is like the universe ain't going to give you shit it's (laughs) you have to get up every day at four in the morning and grind and hustle and stay hard and there's uh this ex-navy seal i like to listen to sometimes called jocko willink i don't know if you know him he 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 puts like a picture of his watch like every morning when he wakes up like 402 slept in today but i'm gonna get after it yeah and uh he'll uh like every and because this is his world like he was born to be a commando and to go to war like regardless of whether there was wars going on thank goodness there was one otherwise who knows what he would be doing for this time but every metaphor is like if you're not working hard the enemy is currently planning against you so you have to be working twice as hard because your enemy is working while you sleep and like uh just when you think it's time to rest wrong because the enemy is work and it's uh it's like all about like war metaphors and sometimes i get in that mode i'm like wait a minute why am i all worry all of a sudden i'm not i'm not at war i love all the this new wave of deeply paranoid tony robbins uh bros <laughs> like <laughs> like like we we all we all like had a good laugh at tony robbins and that for like no reason really other than like his voice was weird and like motivational speaking is like can be a little silly and anything that takes place in a hotel conference convention center room (laughs) we're allowed to make fun of because you're in the look at the carpet Look at the decorations on the wall. Look at the admission fees. I know. So we gotta make fun of it. I take that back. Everything is funny about Tony Robbins, but in addition to that, you give that guy a bazooka, even funnier to me. Like I don't need to like how to get ripped through paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> like, like yeah, I I 
I, I got, I, I watched American History X. I get that super angry people can get jacked. <laughs> Fitness is one of those things that it's like, it's kind of taunting in that like you see some of the stupidest people in the world get really good at it. Yeah, and yeah. You're like, well, if I'm so smart, how come I can't like motivate myself to get into shape for more than a week? And well, don't you think it's like kind of just like fitness nerds more like first off i certainly wish that i was in better shape than i am i'm in okay shape um and, and 2020 i i've started taking uh, a lot better care of myself i thought you were gonna say start taking keto courses i started taking keto courses <laughs> <laughs> are you keto no i'm still in level one you have, to, you have to go it's like improv you have to make it to level five before you can talk to amy poehler or whatever well uh, uh, let me let me say this like i so i watched this thing I don't know why I never watch stuff like this, but I, I watched this YouTube video that was this old, like, mini documentary about Arnold Schwarzenegger back when he was, like, getting ready for one of his Mr. Universe, like, before he was an actor or anything. And he was, like, looking in the mirror, and he's like, you need to... You need to take a hard look in the mirror and and really look at yourself and like analyze with scrutiny each muscle, which is and it was the first time that I was like, Oh, that's why people are they're looking in the mirror. It's not always like this vanity thing. It's like, oh, I need to like really be honest with myself and have like a hard look in the mirror at this like very particular muscle that I'm like, or see which muscle groups I need to work on or whatever. That's a great approach. I think we all need to like take hard looks in mirrors at like our own psyches and our work ethics and everything else in life. But the thing is, is like, you could say to any of these guys, you could be like, well, what's the difference between where you're at in like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Mr. Universe. The difference is you don't have 12 hours a day to spend in the gym, like nerding out on every single little muscle group. And you probably have other interests, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, it's like it, mastery always comes down to fractions of a percentage where like the, we can't tell the difference between the person who's ranked, you know, Mr. Universe number one and Mr. Universe number 100 or something. But to them, it's like, oh, he's got so much more flab compared to number yeah. 100. And, and so to me, it seems like there's diminishing returns. Like I'm, I'm not for like, hey, let's exercise. I used to, I used to be so against jocks that I was like, I, I wish I wouldn't have been as adverse to exercise and taking better care of myself as I, as I had been much of my life. But I'm interested in being like a C student at things. Like I want to be able to take a quiz in any like science 101 course and get a C, you know, like I don't, I don't need an A and I certainly don't like the difference between an A and an A plus is like, what are you doing with your life? Now you're just a nerd. You're just, you're just like obsessing, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and 
so that to see the wellness people that then like get artificially no one should be as ripped as arnold schwartz like no human was ever that ripped humans didn't evolve to be that ripped we didn't evolve for our muscles any chimp can take arnold schwarzenegger at any peak of his life and destroy him like yeah. he's they'll rip his face off and his balls and and the like, oldest weakest female chimp can, <laughs> yeah. uh, can rip have you seen that video of there's like these 12 i might be exaggerating but not really there's like 12 nordic big strongman looking guys tugging on this tug of war and like it's it's like the camera is panning towards the other side and you're expecting to see 12 other nordic guys and it's just one chimp with one of its arms really <laughs> trying that's not even most of what it's doing and it's just it's giving these guys the ride of their life and it shows that yeah even this kind of weak looking chimp it's just built for for physicality and we've left the realm of physicality what uh beyond 35,000 years ago when did we leave hunter gatherer tribes i've got sapiens right there and i've got sapiens illustrated right there too for for those um you who can't read the actual one such as me i should get the illustrated one that sounds awesome the the original book is is terrific um i i mean they say like 10,000 years ago was when things really started agriculture started taking off it depends on what place of the, of, of the of the world you you could i mean he makes the case in sapiens that it was around 75,000 years ago that people start that humans started like really working together cooperatively and and building larger and larger like the the tribe size expanded I think that's iffy that that timeline that he he gives in that book is a little bit iffy but the the ideas within it are are there but yeah that, that's I mean we we there's there's trade-offs in everything and definitely humans did not evolve their muscles like it's it's nice to have muscles and like and there's like you know there, there's frogs that <laughs> advertise their strength to females and stuff too, <laughs> but you don't look at that frog and be like, "Whoa, that frog is it ripped! Really, <laughs> it's riveted." Um, <laughs> so, it, you know, it, like it, if you want to nerd out to like getting that strong, fine, but like to to look to look stronger than an nfl all-star like clearly there's no utility in that muscle clearly that's like just for looks yeah if, if you know if if the nba or nfl uh, pro player that's in the most elite this and that if you're bigger than like michael phelps then you know you're it's it looks cool or like with the, you ever see arm wrestling where one person is clearly looks bigger than the other, but for whatever reason, the other person is better at arm wrestling. They've just either worked <laughs> out the mechanics of how to shift back and forth, or they're just focused in one like part of the bicep. And you're like, wow, did they, how did they do that? Muscle looking strong means nothing, I guess. 
I I'm into rock climbing. I I haven't I kind of fell out of it. Um, well, literally. Then, then especially COVID. Did you mean to uh, say that? Yeah, you did. No. You ribbed it earlier, so you meant to say you <laughs> fell out of it. Check out my big break on Apple Podcasts. No, not on podcasts. Apple iTunes Store or Spotify, whichever one gives you more money. That's my first, uh, the, or that that was my first album combining science that I enjoy, or my first like recorded thing where I was like, yes, I can do science and comedy in a successful way. What about mating season or mating season? You don't think was success? No, I, I it was too much of a compromise. I I was I was trying to do jokes about evolution that would work in like a rowdy comedy club in Dallas, Texas. Yeah. And you so think it was that just having like a big dick is evolved, but it's actually a small <laughs> dick that's evolved, according to Dr. Marty Hazel. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, I had good intentions. It was, it was nice to try to be like, hey, let me see if I can do science for people that don't want to hear about science. And <laughs> uh, I'm like, yeah. I mean, the the reason why I do specialized shows now is because I wouldn't want to go into a comedy club and the headliner just does 45 minutes of football jokes. And I wasn't told that it's like, oh, this guy is a football comedian and all his jokes are about football. Like I would, that's great if someone does that and builds that show as that and football fans can come out and see that comedy show. That's awesome. But you know, when you're like sitting at the 45 that. line lot, you know, when you're sitting at the 45 yard line and you run out of nachos and then Bill <laughs> Belichick comes up and uh, gives you Tom Landry's hat. I don't think any of those are actually football references. Maybe some of them are. Yeah, and it's man. and it's beyond like it's not cute to make fun of sports ball. Like for a while the internet was like, oh, it's the sports ball finals today. And <laughs> the like, Shut up, was... you nerd. <laughs> the in what the internet was like making fun of sports or something? Yeah, at you know, at some pivotal peak thing of and of course there's no way to actually describe the internet as doing one thing at any time it's always doing unlimited things mm. and it's never about one focused thing it's always one side and the other side and the people who don't want anything to do with the both sidesism and the the people that are too uh focused on themselves to even notice anything was going on at all but uh <laughs> but you know just uh just the, the typical like, oh, why does college care about sports when they should be caring about education, which all of these are fantastic points, but sports yeah, exists yeah. for a reason. We we have to be at warring tribes and, you know, conquer the other territory, uh, plant your seed in the other sides. Like the, the whole raping and pillaging thing has transferred into sports where you're literally like taking your, your seed and dunking it into the other hole. <laughs> I know this is just one Freudian way of looking at it, but it is like this ball that holds the power and then you're driving it into the enemy territory. And so it is, it is like kind of very uh, seed spreading like that. Yeah, I I definitely think that sports evolved as like a, a way to like play fight 
I, I think the early sports were more like wrestling and stuff like that. To like, here's what we'll get ready to go out on the battlefield. And then women would come around and be like, all right, well, I better get with the one that's going to be the best out on the battlefield because he's going to be around to hang out <laughs> with the kid for, for longer. Yeah, it's not even a thought. It's just kind of like how it plays out in the your short life. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an important thing that we should. Uh, uh, I I was thinking at some point we should have an episode just explaining the basics of evolution and how things like that work because it's mostly a blind process where, say, say at that time the female selects for a guy that does better in a battle when battling is part of the condition of the environment, which I think is probably overplayed aspect of, of human history, but certainly it was there. And then, and, and she, and say she just found herself attracted to those sorts of traits. And, and there was all sorts of other women attracted to all sorts of different traits, but her offspring that either had those traits or were protect, uh, protected by those traits tended to uh, tended to pass on her her genes. So so say there was utility in a in a guy that that was great at the the wrestling competition, and that was this indicator that he was going to survive battles better as as well or command some respect or have status or whatever there's a lot of things that would maybe help the the offspring with that maybe the offspring would get more resources maybe it would have a dad for longer maybe it would have some of those genes to make it tough or maybe it would get maybe it would be like the female that would get that that same preference for that type of of dude and and so it's it's much more like that than the the way that I presented it of like oh maybe he'll go off that's me like anthropomorphizing yeah. the blind watchmaker that is evolution. What if it is the blind watchmaker? Also, um, uh, were we were we going to talk about um, this is this is the official first episode I think yeah. not to be confused with episode zero but should we uh, should we talk about what what the title of this show is and what we think meaning is and like yeah. are we going to do it like in a courtroom where we each have our own side and oh. I yeah because i was thinking like <laughs> this i don't know what this comedy dynamic is because you and i've got something i don't know what it is it's not straight man and goofy man and it's not the the guy and the gal or something and it's not the serious and the the not serious but there's there's something to it so. I just think that we're compatible. I actually think that, you know, I, I think that one thing that sports does wrong is creates this like idea of two sides and a zero sum game and, and like one side wins, one side loses and whoever won is also the best and it's a perfect meritocracy. And I think that we build on each other by having um, different uh, traits and and strengths and weaknesses that play off each other uh, really well. And we've been friends for how long now? Like 10 Over years? Over a decade, I think. Yeah, I think 2009. I have to go back and look and see where where it starts because initially like here's our here's our journey so far we're 
we're comedian friends while you live in Austin and I also live in Austin and we see each other at Cap City or Velveeta Room or something and, you know, occasionally perform sets together. And then I think the next phase of our relationship was the here we are phase in like 2014 or 15, where uh, I'm like doing the audio editing and website and art and you're doing the the podcast portion. And then I think it kind of goes into my, my own thing started to grow more, which takes away more of my time and you needed more people on the team. So then here we are, became this other uh, team and then I'm, I'm off doing my own thing. But then occasionally we get together for like stand up science if I'm a guest on that or something. And then yeah. uh, I think this is the this is the next phase where where it's like starting the actual the actual you and me, Bob and Tom jerry and fucky in the morning <laughs> style style of show which these are just conversations we used to have we used to just uh like talk on the phone about here we are stuff and then just catch up on what was going on but none of those conversations ever became a podcast so now in the world of non-stop content production it's like why don't we make a a show about the things we would normally have just called about yeah and uh, um and we can't stop making the reason why there's non-stop content is because if i stop making content i will probably die and i might die anyway <laughs> uh, <laughs> i haven't released this yet but i'm working on this uh like comic uh not a book just like a single panel strip of someone looking at their ipad and it's got one of those memes where it's like it's okay to not always be productive. But then at the door, it's got someone being like, like, sir, you're being evicted. You have five minutes to leave the premises, sir. And then it's like them knocking at the door <laughs> yeah, continuously. Because yeah. it's so easy to preach. Like, you don't have to do anything. So this is so many of, uh, because we kind of were collaborating so much and working together, but also, um, uh, we we had like some psychedelic experiences together and so we just we tend to when we talk on the phone we tend to have like bigger conversations about meaning and drive and purpose and we both are always like mining that well for like drive and then going like well, it's doing good for a while there, and then it all <laughs> fell apart again. And I, I planted too many seeds in the garden, and it was so beautiful for a week. And then, and now I ripped it all out and let it die. And I'm laying crying in this stupid patch of dirt. Why I, that looked like hope for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> and and that's so many of the conversations that we have. And they're super fun and thoughtful and funny. And they always make me, uh, uh, I think they make me feel good. Yeah. They make I me laugh, but they also make me think. <laughs> so I, I wrote something down that I wanted to uh, yeah. bring up on this since it's the original meaning. Because like when asked the question, what is the meaning of life or what is the even meaning of meaning? Like I'm... I'm kind of hard pressed to actually answer it. But then last night I just started writing down a, a thing and uh, I'm sure this Ooh. has been worded in some way before by, by dead philosophers who were much more brilliant and much more alcoholic than I. 
and <laughs> maybe they, uh, so or they were just humans that didn't have anywhere near the information that you have now oh that's if, true if they got to look at wikipedia for one day they would be like oh i gotta scrap all these things that i that i thought yeah a thousand years ago just before I even take a piss in the morning, the amount of things that I look <laughs> at and, um, you know, either like inspired is rare, like rarely does something inspire you. Even if it's beautiful, it's more likely to trigger jealousy. Like if you're really into playing guitar or something and then you see a 10 year old that's just just blowing you out of the water and you're like, oh, that's not that's not inspiring. Or even if it was someone twice your age, it's not really inspiring a lot of the time. But just the yeah the sheer amount of content we can take in whether it does you good or not but i digress the the statement i wanted to make was that so claiming that there's no definitive meaning at all is a meaning so it's this mm -hmm. kind of trap you get into so if you're a hardcore atheist that itself is like taking a stance and saying that you you know everything and it is pretty silly to think that you know, we, we think of tapeworms as dumb. They're not really experiencing anything. And the sun also, the sun is dumb. It's not experiencing anything. So only us anthropoid apes at this resolution are experiencing the illusion of meaning and everything else is completely not privy to this feedback loop of uh, neurosis of consciousness. So we don't really know that. And it's possible that there's a an entity that's the size of a galaxy that it's like, oh, look at that stupid human. It thinks that there's actually meaning. I'm so much more brilliant and I know there's no meaning. But what if there's a being the size of a hundred million galaxies that's like, you stupid fuck, you galaxy think you know. I know that's kind of a stretch, but... Yeah, or, or maybe the smartest thing in the universe is way smaller than we could ever perceive, and it still has no idea that it's 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 within something that's that's a zillion orders of magnitude larger than it, and is inferior to it, but superior to it, and isn't aware that it's there yeah. all at the same time. I mean, I think it's I think it's meaning and meaningless everywhere you look from every angle like it's just inescapable they I, need I think... each other it's batman and joker it's socialism and capitalism it's up and down they they need each other to exist we need existence and non-existence to hold each other up it's it's literally the hand drawing itself okay not yeah. literally because that would imply that at the smallest level there's a hand and a pen but <laughs> but you know what i mean it's the paradox creating itself and uh, also, like meaning implies that you are you're condensing the infinite whole of everything into something you can stand outside of and hold in your hand like a grapefruit. But you can't stand outside of of nasty infinity. You can stand outside of limited infinities, like you know the number of numbers between one and two. There's one point one one, one point one one one, one point one one one. So there's infinite you know distance between what was that beach thing where it's like the the beach is infinitely long based on how big your measuring stick is yeah it's it's um yeah depending depending on how um 
how how specific how accurately you're the more accurate you try to measure something the more infinite it becomes so if you have so imagine a shoreline that has like a bit of a, a a bend in it and there's a point at at the shore and then at one end and then a point at the other end and there's some bendy and waviness in between and you were to ask like how long is it from point a to point b you might at first measure that that um bird's eye straight line on a map and and say it's a hundred meters long but then if you are like okay well let's be a little more accurate and descriptive you might draw a point that's in between those two points along the curve and now now you have like two lines of a of a triangle that you're measuring so it's a little more accurate so now it's like a hundred and uh 110 meters long and then you draw another point and then it gets a little longer because it's more accurate and if you go down to like the kind of like you're you're measuring things on an atomic level that that beach line is infinitely long but what's what's odd about it is that it still fits within a finite space so you can you can draw a square around that area or show someone a map with that and that fit that's a finite square that you've drawn but infinity is fitting uh inside of it yeah, and so you stand outside of a limited infinity as opposed to the infinite kind of infinity, which is an infinity of every direction expanding outward. So you just could never stand outside of it. And that's what existence is, I think. Like, that's why there is shit as opposed to it being a dimensionless plenum. Yeah, and we can certainly describe things like w- words and descriptions are really useful, forming models um, of the of the universe and objective reality to home in on on what objective reality is and things that can you can make a prediction on and be falsified and all that that's all uh, those things are all really really useful and you'll never get to the end of it you'll never get to that what what is the exact temperature that water boils at is it a hundred and I don't even know the ballpark. Is it like, I think it's like 147 or so. Don't quote me on that. But but you might say, okay, it's 147.5. Okay, it's 147.58. And you'll never get to, yeah. you'll never get to the end. That's Rupert Sheldrake's rap about the speed of light because he says that the speed of light might be a variant as opposed to a constant. And I recognize the benefits of making it a constant because then otherwise, how do you do your, your large scale physics without the speed of light being a constant? But they measured it like 80 years ago. It was one speed. They measured it 60 years later. It was a different speed. And this is accounting for error in measurement of instruments. It's like implying that the speed of light has has varied over the years. But over time, they're just like, fuck it. Let's make uh, a, a standard and the institute of keeping the speed of light where it is. And so now it's it's solidified where who knows, maybe it, it changes. And there's something to be said about that, like with gravitational waves and and things of that nature yeah and i i think that i think that those those descriptions are useful and will hopefully become more accurate as more information comes in and we should be um updating uh, updating them you know using uh, kind of 
Bayesian processing to update. What's Bayesian the, processing? It's just it's just using the best information that you have at the time and being willing to like discard it and update that new once like the new model once there's now a, a new technology. Was there like a scientist to, scientist name like Alexander Bayesi or something? And he's like, <laughs> I have the best method, and we're naming it after me, the Bayesian method. Probably. I don't know as much about the history of various sciences as I do, like what what is currently kind of known about things and what gets um, tossed around for the same reason. I don't know that much stuff about philosophy, because like when I go back and hear what Plato says, I'm always like, well, yeah, but he didn't know about Darwin. So like if if he knew about evolution, which he simply couldn't fathom, he would have changed it. He would have immediately just taken a big black marker to <laughs> most of his most famous quotes. And so like, give me, give me the stuff. Like, what do we know right now? That's the best information that we have. It doesn't always go in this linear fashion. Sometimes we stray from the path and need to go, go back and, and reassess things. But I also, I also think, so one if I had a bone to pick with the appreciation of the infinite and the unknown and the fractal like, you know, it's an impossible task. No one's ever going to know everything. That doesn't mean th that things aren't worth knowing. It doesn't mean that it's not a goal worth pursuing to keep on trying to learn more and form better models just because there will never be a perfect one just because there will never be perfection and just because we'll never have a magic bullet doesn't mean we discard everything and then in in lieu of that just believe whatever we want to believe you know like uh, like our friend dr jordan b peterson says the solution to <laughs> lack of consciousness is not going unconscious but it's becoming more conscious see we were cast out of the garden of eden and i mean it's a bloody rough ride but you only get there by knowing more man and look at god god's only god is god is omnipotent he's omniscient and he can do anything so what is the one thing god doesn't have and that's limitation so he gave it to us to experience limitation so Why does he say bloody so much? Oh, because he's Canadian. And I don't know, some people but just Canadians have it. Canadians don't say bloody. That's like a, that, isn't that like an English thing? Yeah, maybe. But maybe he, <laughs> uh, maybe he just jacked it. Like maybe there was a trend where Canadians were saying it like 30 years ago. And then uh, like it just stuck. Whereas now it, it looks weird. You know, Ashling B, the the Irish, no, sorry, goddammit, Irish and Scottish always trip me up. And I always say the wrong one when I'm near one of them. But it's okay because it's white people. So you can be like, what are you, Irish or Scottish? And then they try to answer you and you're like, shut up, you fucking white. And then everyone gives you an award. <laughs> you <s> oh, <laughs> just to take it back to, uh, like, I think <laughs> social media has made social media has made Martin Luther King Day so funny 
because like you get to see people's politics so clearly because MLK Day is now just share your favorite MLK meme that you found on Google Images and you've got yeah. half the people like posting I choose to surrender surrender to love hate is too far too much of a <laughs> burden to bear and then the other people are are quoting like the white man is an abomination he must be stopped before he ruins all there is <laughs> and his skin is white and he is the devil <laughs> and it's like white people with large hats and silver lake posting that and then you have uh, trump on the very day uh, on mlk day like the administration releasing this whole thing that's like our founding fathers were it's fine that they own slaves and like here's he did here's i mean that doesn't surprise me but oh man yeah, i yeah, didn't see did. that he loves that's, doing stuff like that where was Last, that released because he doesn't have a twitter anymore um i i don't know it was on some trending thing isn't that, that isn't that funny there's like unlimited places you can just post stuff on the internet but since he doesn't have a twitter it's like where where is he i guess he's gone yeah what's his, what's in his what's going through his noggin right now that you can't see it um, i don't know i didn't know four years ago what's actually going through his noggin especially not now it is kind yeah. of comforting that all these people are going to be dead in 10 years, probably like all these old yeah. people. We hate Trump, uh, Chuck or what nuts, Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi. And like, they're, they're all just so ancient. They're not going to be here in 10 years. Oh yeah. Who knows what's going to replace I, I, it? I, I but... don't, I don't think Biden's going to make it through. Oh, and... Biden for sure. Biden is the oldest president ever elected by eight years. And he's coffee as fuck. He's just always coughing. Like, oh, did he get every, COVID? Every, every, no, he didn't get COVID. No, we but just known. over the last months, like every time I see him, he's just like every time <laughs> listen, he's talking, listen here, he's fat. Like, I can't do a good, I can't do a good Biden. Nick Mullen does a dead-on Biden, and I haven't seen anyone do a Biden, but he's like he's isolated it to like certain syllables. It's like Vic victory, victory, Barack, gonna go <laughs> forward. It's like I said. Back when I was with Barack, we got to focus on not just getting pussy. You'll get pussy, but you want victory. <laughs> People say they want $2,000 an hour. And I say, look fat. I don't know. <laughs> I, so, I, I don't think I got even one tone of it right, but there's a distinct that, register was, of it, Biden. It was like a blending of Biden and Obama. That was your impression. He speaks like Obama, though, which is a good strategy. But like yeah. his his cadence is like you know Obama light, and I, I don't think it was always like that. But he's like playing that up. I do like recently when um, when Obama was like. Um, uh, he, he was like hey i i think that defund the the phrasing defund the pro uh, the police might not have accurately like communicated what you were trying for and might have been like unnecessarily divisive and like you might want to like rebrand that and people were like how could you say that <laughs> oh it's like guys you're talking about like maybe the single greatest communicator of our lifetime <laughs> like he was so good at communicating that he became the first black president of the united states which we take for granted was at the time like impossible 
Yeah. Like at, at the time it wasn't possible. Like yeah, it, it was, was crazy that I never happened. thought it would happen. And, and like the single greatest communicator uh, of our lifetime. And you're like, whatever. Oh, boss. like guys, <laughs> like we did just fucking cannibalize yourself all, all of the time, which is the, you know, it, it, and that's, well, the thing about the Democrats is that Democrats is more just an umbrella term for everyone that isn't a tribalist. Like, like it's, it's, yeah. and, and it's like your own tribe of like, we're the tribe of everyone's so different, you know? So it's like this weird. There's um, an interesting it, history about like, I don't even know it fully, but the, the democratic party, it's so interesting that they are the, they're the KKK party. Like initially they were the yeah. pro segregation party and then they were the working class party. And then something happened with like the return to Reaganism and everything went really Republican for a while. You had like two uh, terms of Reagan and George Bush senior and the democratic party. This is all just regurgitation of another podcast I heard. So I don't really know yeah. what I'm talking about, but uh, the democratic party shifted to intersectionality as opposed to the worker. So they made it more about the, um, the optics than actually helping people. So that's people's main, uh, critique of them i think is that they they're all talk and then when it comes to actually helping the people they say they're aligned with it's like oh yeah i got your vote who cares yeah i mean it, we'll 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 see i i mean i i think there's definitely a difference between like you take someone who you know it might be unfair to pit obama against donald trump because donald trump was a um uh just obnoxious horrible con just man. a little bit <laughs> just and, a wee bit <laughs> and and obama was like a very competent uh and, and, like communicator it's and unbelievable i was and, uh i listened to the michelle obama podcast with the first guest is her husband barack obama and uh just the contrast of their the way they communicate versus the Trump world. It's unbelievable that they were back to back. I can't believe it. It's yeah. And, and it's like, it's, it's not even a comparison. So it, it might be an unfair um, comparison, but you know, Obama was, he, he was a, he was a community organizer and like a grassroots community organizer. He was, he was a, um, a, you know, he studied constitutional law. He did all of like, I think that he, to me, acted like someone. I, I'm sure he made a, a lot of like decisions that can be criticized or like might be hypocritical and everything else. But he seemed to act with integrity in terms of like actually trying to pursue doing what he was presenting he, he was... actively went and drone striked a little boy in afghanistan's <laughs> wedding he like his everyone said no please don't and uh, uh <laughs> everyone said him. no please yeah no. Mitt, Mitt romney begged him please sir think conservatively and then he said fuck your conservatism and he drone striked the poor little boys for his own pleasure so I, I take I take issue with his his uh you know recreational drone striking. He didn't have to do that, but 
this this is uh like this is again this is slightly more political than I'm hoping our first episode, but this is actually like a perfect um this this is this perfectly illustrates um the idea of meaning to me. I think that there's a I think that there's a lot of difference between I think there's a personality type, whereas like people are like, here's a meaning. Like, show me a symbol, tell me that that symbol is, like, the meaning, and then, like, I like that symbol. Like, you got, whereas, like, other people are, like, here's a structure of ideas that, like, I believe in, and you can switch the names around on that all you want, but, you know, like, I'm, I'm against, like, I'm against slavery no matter what flag it flies under, no matter what party is like for it or whatever else. And then other people that are like, well, if our team does slavery, we do slavery then, you know, that's like, yeah. we have to, <laughs> and, and I think, I think the same, it's the same with like good things. People make it like Jesus or Buddha or whatever else. And I think that the issue potentially with that is it's really, I think that there's so much drive that comes out of that for people. People do like so much good on behalf of these symbols, but those symbols can be manipulated where, where people can be like, oh, you like this symbol? Oh, me too. I like that symbol too. And it, so like me, because I'm for your symbol and I'm going to protect your symbol, that word that you like, I'm going to protect that word <laughs> because that's the thing. And then you, and then you can just like swap it out, like, like okay, that guy's defending the word, and then you can just turn it into like your word now. Like, it's look a at shell game, yeah. It's a sleight of hand where they've they've flipped the meaning of it, and you think you're supporting one thing, and it's actually the opposite. I mean, look at MAGA. The most like I had a I had a thing. Um, it's the last COVID. A that's a problem. The, the, <laughs> yeah. the MAGA. Someone was saying that because, like, if it was just "Make America Great," no problem. But the again part implies that at some point this was really good, and it wasn't for a lot of yeah. people. Yeah. So the again part is where the problem is. And it's, I mean, it's a personality difference of of uh, for the most part of of higher and openness and lower and openness, and they and those that whole spectrum has value. That's why we evolved it. And, um, you and I are both off the charts openness, right? Yeah, but there is, I think, yeah, I think so. But I also think that there's something that like, like the openness, you can be so high in openness that there's just like no end to it, you know, because you're open to the idea that it's all wrong. So then like, you also are closed (laughs) off because you reject everything as being solid. Yeah, it's probably shit. So I'm so open that I'm not open. Yeah, I think that we're probably in dangerous territory of that. Uh, happening um (laughs) (laughs) but because that that's like the the q shaman that's like the that's that's sort of like where's he now does he have a podcast is he on dave rubin show now or something (laughs) (laughs) dave rubin is a funny one and i i know like uh we should should have a i think i said in the google doc like as a potential idea i was just writing it down there it might be stupid but uh 
like visiting different characters of the intellectual dark web and like seeing which ones are kind of they have something good to say and which ones are just grifters because it's such a broad term and there are some there are some cool thoughts in the in the idw but there's some of them that are just they just have a conservative talking head on every week and they're just like i agree with what you're saying <laughs> i ag i agree and i agree and you do see this on the right, but you mainly see it on the left, which are mainly seeing this kind of behavior on the left. <laughs> like Dave Rubin is, uh, he's gay and married and uh, like you'll have Ben Shapiro on and Ben Shapiro, when asked if he would attend his wedding, he's like, no, I would not. That goes against uh, my religion and I would not attend it, but I would still say congratulations, but I would not be at the ceremony or at the barbecue following the ceremony. <laughs> and he's like i agree with that and i respect that <laughs> uh, so um back back to back to meaning a little bit my just like i i want people to have like a sense of the foundation of like what our what our approach to understanding meaning and motivation is because this is uh, ba basically so what grabbed me when we were talking was you had just done um a piece of work uh that was basically um uh, there there was one there was one drawing that was like someone in front of the computer on a screen that was like here's how to get motivation like someone watching a motivation video and then like the same gray person just doing the thing just doing the thing without motivation and then another slide of someone on a bike saying look ma no motivation and it really sums up the kind of thing that i'm interested in exploring because to me, I think that when you ask someone, what's the meaning of life? They'll give you an answer. <laughs> and I think that that's, that's what's wrong. Like that people do think that they're going to, that there is a, a clear meaning that like is undeniable and that they're heading toward that meaning and the purpose is to get to that. That's like the finish line that you're going to cross. Yeah. And when I think about that, I think where that comes from, I'm not shitting on that because I, I think having goals and everything else is important. I just think that where that's coming from is an illusion that has kind of been, is, is, it's a propensity that's then articulated through conscious storytelling, which is instead of like a goal, instead of a finish line that you're ever going to cross, I think that that yearning and that seeking is a driver that has evolved to be built within you that has that drives you toward that has in the past led your ancestors to successfully reproduce and survive long enough to reproduce and have and set their offspring up to survive long enough to reproduce and do that more than other uh, um, ancestors that 
that did isn't not. it so funny that we're we're breaking the chain or who knows what'll play I out but it. just they they all reproduce successfully and then we're just here like no nah, i'm just gonna podcast instead of uh make another me and so this is that's one of my favorite subjects is the mismatch with our modern world because all of these things evolved before birth control so to me it would make sense for things for a human organism or just mammals generally i i'm i'm sure that there's plenty of mammals that think their kids a pain in the ass you know or get annoyed <laughs> with their kids or whatever and understand because offspring are costly not for sometimes there's just fish that like blow their loads and the the males blow their load the females blow their load or whatever and the eggs are fertilized and see ya but like uh, uh, in terms of mammals there's there's like usually costly offspring and i'm sure like those that beautiful scene in david attenborough of like the polar bear the mother polar bear and like going back to get the cub and like it looks like oh my gosh look at look at this hallmark card <laughs> this is what a mother's love i'm sure that mother in her mind is like god this <laughs> worthless idiot how long is it and so i i think that the mind would have evolved features to recognize the high cost to because sex the feeling sex feeling so good evolved to motivate otherwise sex is like you don't program a robot to have sex <laughs> It's so ridiculous whether there's a whether there's a purpose for it or not. It is really ridiculous when you <laughs> so it. So it needed you need to brains that evolved for sex to feel good left more offspring behind, and there must have been. So it's easy to be like, oh, sex feels good to um, uh, so that you'll have offspring and blah blah blah. Your genes are perpetuate, but. But there must have been a limit. There's no reason why sex couldn't have felt better. There must have been some cutoff point, and you hear about like sex addicts and stuff. There must be some cost involved where if someone like happens to have this gene combination that just makes them like ravenously horny, like and sex just feels like twice as good as it does to the <laughs> average person. They're just like out of control in their <laughs> life. <laughs> <laughs> either can't stop masturbating or can't stop pursuing mates at a detriment to all of these other things and their social costs they're getting in fights or like whatever else and so so there would have had to have been things to like recognize the cost of offspring and then all but it but it wouldn't matter because sex feels so good that whether you recognize the offspring you're still gonna you're still gonna bang yeah these genes are gonna spread but then all of the sudden birth control evolution well, never saw that coming three, like three 50 years ago 60 years, years ago yeah right 60 yeah. years ago or something like that yeah insane and i'm sure uh, evolutionary biologists has have talked about this ad nauseum but the like yeah birth control leading to you you don't have feminism and women's rights and women in the workplace and all that kind of stuff without 
like kind of harnessing your biology a little bit, right? Because otherwise you're, you're kind of trapped, especially yeah. in the old world where like, uh, if you didn't rape, you were gay. Like it's gone from <laughs> yeah. where like rape was like, let's say 30 years ago. It's like, well, we just don't talk about that. Or you hear stories of uh, domestic abusers. The cops are called on the house and the cop is just kind of looks at the beaten wife and it's just like, all right, well, just, you know, try to keep it down in here. Yeah. And it's easy to look back at that and be like, well, maybe that's what our primitive mind was like. And we're, we've evolved since then, but you could make a case that, uh, you you don't see that kind of abuse in like hunter gatherer societies because they all like they all know what everyone's up to all of the time and so there's like there's different things being selected for and it's possible that that those kind of traits are uh, you, you know like um, uh, the the kind of um, like American psycho or something like that just just simply couldn't exist. Um, it, you know, in, in the social structures that existed before cities, before people could like go to a city, fleece everyone, go to the next city, fleece another person, you know, like, I, I don't think you could get away with that. And, and, and so there was probably, there was probably features of our evolved mind that allowed us to like cheat a little bit and take advantage. And there's, there's cases made that the average person um you, you know like all the pens go missing from the office it's not like one pen bandit it's everybody stole like a couple pens and everyone oh, told themselves so the, a story so the pareto principle doesn't apply there where it's like 80 percent of the stolen pens are done by 20 percent of the employees <laughs> Just like five people just have pockets full of pens <laughs> and stuff. And, and no, it's just that the average person will tell themselves a story like, well, this isn't stealing. Like I work hard and like, yeah, it's a little pen, you know? Um, and, and so we all like cheat like a little bit. And then there's just, there's just environments in which, you know, we can, exploit that uh, that aspect of our inner selves in this modern environment more than in the past. So anyway, yeah. in terms of in terms of meaning, I think that it's I think that it's really important for us to know like what is my brain for? What did what are the evolved features that drive it to do the things that it does? What aspects of this existence do I actually like and want? What do our, because your genes want to keep on perpetuating. Your, your genes would, uh, you know, if you don't, if you don't have offspring, your genes don't, I mean, you have siblings and other family and stuff, but, but just at the like parsed down, overly simplified version of it, if you don't have kids, there's no little remains going off into the, into the future. Except except now with this asymptotic novelty curve we're on with like deep fakes and uh technology kind of spiraling outwards everywhere i think i've brought up before that every combination of me in the future is going to exist where it's going to be copies of me like this copies of me like where like oh i wonder what happens if i made a a, a kid he has a kid with al pacino what would that look like even though biologically currently they wouldn't be able to produce that child but let's splice them together deep fake it give him some personality give him this tweak reduced his iq even more 
and then uh, see what that looks like. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Let's kill it. And then they come up with another <laughs> one. But uh, I think this goes to this fundamental thing that I I believe in, which the universe doesn't uh, doesn't get rid of anything. It it takes it away for a little bit, maybe like the McRib. But the McRib never goes away forever. Like the early universe has hydrogen, and then it evolves more complex stuff than hydrogen. But hydrogen is still hanging out. And uh, same with like <laughs> slugs or like, oh, if they're if we evolve from monkeys, why is there still monkeys? Because the universe keeps behind the old shit as well. And as there's going to be stuff more complex than us, it's like, well, why is there still humans? Well, because the humans don't know how to go that next level. So we're just here being idiots. Yeah, the, the why is there still chimps and stuff argument is like, yeah, that's that's people people have a misunderstanding of the of, of evolutionary the common tree ancestor that's more of like a web yeah yeah um that is that mcrib comparison <laughs> is so good <laughs> that would that would make for a good piece of art if there was like a way of having like the mcrib coming out of the big bang or something it did like it that, came out like... of the big bang it took it a few billion years but eventually <laughs> nothingness eventually nothingness made a mcrib and it had to make like tons of like skeletal structures and 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 neurological systems that that work for a long time and then that eventually a mcrib came and then it went away and then it came back and then it went away and then it came back or ninja turtles There's... like i'm like i watched ninja turtles when i was a little kid i'm like oh kids today probably don't know about ninja turtles but now there's been a hundred different versions of ninja turtles hundred different versions of star wars star wars was made before i was born etc yeah i i think that there are inevitable properties in things that so do you do you know do you know what um Covergent evolution what? is covergent. covergent. So is we, that where we, everything becomes a crab? Where um, the universe like has evolved towards crab, like from a lot of different directions, where it just kind of ends up at crab again for some reason. Yeah, it's like pe people people look and uh, are like, how did how did people think of the idea for flight? Like how how, how did flight emerge at like five different places around the world within a span of like two decades and none of those people were talking with one another like how did that happen and it's usually it's just because the environment was just so that that was like uh if something like that emerged, it would be selected for and take off. There's like there there's something in South Africa that's like the American weasel, and it has no they don't have any um, genetic ties whatsoever. It's just that there's like there's a particular environment where if this long narrow burrowing mammal, if a long narrow burrowing mammal does evolve it will do well in an environment with these conditions yeah. um and it's us that's like putting it in these little categories like nature doesn't see the categories nature just sees it as one gene swarm of dna that's like kind of intermixing and growing outwards it's not like this is the american weasel this is a crab it's like it gets very blurry from the yeah. nature perspective also i wanted to say that that is a um that what is it covergent evolution 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good argument. That's a good pro-choice argument, because oftentimes they're like, what if you aborted the kid that's going to cure cancer? It's like, don't worry, there would have been another kid that cures cancer because it's idea. The time had arrived. So 18 people did it. Yeah. Well, so kill that we, kid. Kill that I, cancer. <laughs> if I aborted the kid that was going to kill cancer, that's at least that's one less person you're going to yell at for believing in science. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you probably get so much hate for being in the you you're in the comedy world and the science world. So like sometimes it's so insane, man. It's a, it's it's once covid happened, it's like never never in all all of the here we are podcast did I get guffed? Never, never was anyone like, yeah, but do they really know how spiders work? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that's why we're still studying them. But, but the they know moment, more than you do. They know yeah. more than this Twitter fuck. <laughs> but, but the moment there's an inconvenient reality that happens, people are just like denial, anger, grief, all of the things. And it's, you know, you know, people, people didn't, people didn't get this mad at science when science managed H1N1 or when it managed SARS or all of these things didn't become this global scale. We got to shut down everything. This is an extreme um, situation. The same with global warming. Like it, it's, it, it's pe people, people don't, don't cause a big fuss when when like hey our lake doesn't start on fire from pollution any anymore um global warming needs different branding i swear it's a branding and marketing problem and they need some kind of non-al gore person to talk about it some non-greta thunberg person to talk about it because yeah half of half of the world is on board and it's like half of the world needs to kind of i know i'm always against the division stuff but Half the world needs to kind of get together and be like, hey, we're going to get a Donald Trump-esque guy, but he's very, like, his cause is global warming, and he's going to appear very anti-liberal, but he's our guy. We hired him. He's an actor. So, guys, just play it cool for this, and then you can have that Trump guy be all about uh, environmentalism or something. There's actually something like 80% of people believe that global warming is real. Something like 70 or uh, something like 60% be believe that global warming, it, that, that humans influence global warming. And then something like 50% um, agree with that, like global warming will negatively impact like something like 40% are like global warming will negatively impact me. Like mm. it will actually affect me. And so that's, it's, it's not even, it will, we'll need to see the way. And COVID's a good example of the counterintuitive ways in which um, climate and environmental changes um, uh, create issues that you can't foresee because COVID wouldn't happen. Um, if it, uh, the, the reason why, the reason why there's like these novel viruses um, that that will continue to cause us issues is because as we're 
as we as we continue to deforest and everything else the the what biodiversity is left is crunched into smaller and smaller areas together there's more zoonosis there's more there's more viruses evolving faster because they're in like like you're just creating this per perfect petri dish for viruses not to mention putting putting a bunch of cow that's why you got to shoot every cow and chicken with antibiotics and everything else because you're not supposed to clump things together that's why the that's why the Europeans had already adapted to smallpox before bringing it to America because they had already they had gone through a slower process of domesticating livestock which led to like things being covered in feces and stuff in a way that they aren't supposed to in the wild which led to viruses taking off more which led to zoonosis and then a modern environment where now you have global travel so now you have invasive species taking like like the murder hornet for example which may or may not be an issue it's the giant asian hornet which was characterized as the murder hornet it was by... supposed to be the headliner and it got bumped yeah murder and... hornets were supposed to be the main thing in 2020 and it barely made it to the top 50 list there's there's bee, the bees in in its native environment have adapted through a co-evolutionary, a slow co-evolutionary arms race over generations, over, you know, years and years and years and years and years, have adapted defenses to this hornet. The bees in the U.S. don't have those same adaptions because they haven't faced the pressure, they haven't had any utility for those adaptions and so they are unprepared when an invasive giant asian hornet comes and then just wipes out an entire colony in like a few hours um it can't do that in its native environment well things like covid are uh, are there's going to be things taking off like this where they're evolving like this they're they're getting all of these offensive and defensive tools and then they're taking off and invading a a novel environment that that in our past world would have never happened so there's all of these problems with modern humanity that are going to so if you if you solve some of the lack of biodiversity problems and some of the environmental issues you also lower um virus spread and you lower hurricanes and all of these other things but we'll see <laughs> yeah so but i doubt it's going to happen so we'll it'll probably be i don't know who knows how bad it'll be i think so that so much of this relies on like um i don't know if this is a stretch but the just the cold turkey approach doesn't work. Like when you see an article where it's like, looks like within six months, we're not going to have any more bees. And as a result of the bees all dying, uh, global warming is going to accelerate tenfold unless you change everything personally now, unless you only, you the, don't use water when you brush your teeth, only use six drops when you shower, even though the US is only 15% of emissions and most of those emissions are done by the large corporations. So even if all of us as citizens were like, okay, no more showers, no more throwing out stuff in the garbage, it's still mostly the, the, the yeah. big boys that are doing the damage. And even if the US was 100% green, we've still got that 75% of, of emissions going on around the world. So it's, it's going to take a lot.
but policy change can be hugely instrumental. Like part part of the part of the trick of of corporations is the rebranding of things on on to put put it on the shoulders of the individual. They did this with yeah our safety. They said like, oh, we don't need to install safety belts or airbags or make our cars safer. Th- these are bad drivers. And BP did the same. BP started the carbon footprint thing they they coined the term carbon footprint to put ownership of the environment (laughs) on the individual as they just pumped out and you know ruined everything and that's so funny for oil and everything else and so policy change could have uh huge implications and so so yeah so we'll see so all of this stuff is is to say that um I think that we're very much on the same page in terms of lots of aspects of meaning. Whereas I think that to me, when you ask like, what is, what's it all mean? I'm usually like, well, what's what mean? It's a case by case basis. Like, tell me what you like, want me to make sense of like, Hey, why, what's it mean when you like take this action or why does this happen? And I can tell you, or we can try to articulate, you know, why something means like what this action means in terms of its effect on this thing within this limited context of this situation. And there's a lot of great meaning there. But this idea that you're ever going to find like, I figured it out. (laughs) There's one singular thing in life that is everything and his all... name is Jesus H. <laughs> Christ, and he died for your sins, and you should feel bad about it. <laughs> and you should feel even worse every day. That's the only way you can be good. Oh, and also it it uh like it's the year 2021, which feels futuristic to us, despite all that's going on. Uh, but like we're still like we might as well be 80s humans or we might as well be 40s humans in the grand scheme of things so to think that oh these two guys in the 40s figured it out of course two guys in the 2020s don't know (laughs) shit yet even the way we speak like they're gonna look back on this in 30 years and be like hey look look at the way they speak (laughs) like the terms they're still using they still talk about maga and wokeness and uh yes girl and whatever we say (laughs) what is yes girl i'm actually i don't know i just threw that one in there i'm not that good at improv sometimes i am but sometimes you (laughs) like open the box you're like i got nothing in there Mm, yes girl you said yes girl last time too and i you know, i said yes queen i said oh, yes queen yes. before what is yes queen oh yes queen is just uh i don't know where it originated like maybe it was um not beyonce but you know it's just one of those things you see in the culture where it's like a local trump supporter given six years in jail after trying to enter in walmart without a mask yes queen or uh, just when uh i don't know like they're showing a picture of kamala harris from the 80s or something it's like yes (laughs) (laughs) no one told me kamala no one told me that the vice president was a model yes (laughs) (laughs) it's it's very i don't know you could say it's like the bourgeoisie liberal uh that's uh, that's appropriating black culture 
And, that's amazing. Uh, I don't know. But it's just one of those little phenomenons that's like it's a word. I, maybe people don't even say it much anymore. Maybe it was more 2016 or 17. It's yeah. just kind of fun. It's I, fun to just go, yes. <laughs> like, it's fun to just be like, it would be so easy to be regular Democrat Hollywood celebrity. Like anytime there's something in the news to just make a statement like racism is an abomination. This is not okay. We must end injustice. And you don't do shit. You just make the statement of, <laughs> yeah. of like the thing that people want to hear. Like, okay, that's nice. But what are you doing about it? And I don't yeah, know, yeah. Funny. I I think I think people I even that though I think people would do better like explaining and understanding than than like standing for you know like like I I think a good example is that um like gender and sex are kind of biologically two different things so it's like sexuality and whatnot and kind of the just di different cascades of interactions that happen in the building blocks of those things early on in life are really interesting and sometimes so like there's certain things that get flipped and sometime there there so there's masculinized and feminized brains and then there's masculinized and feminized bodies and usually they end up in the same thing but you can you could show you could show like say say i was like Ramin, i gotta tell you i've always been a woman you probably knew this but i've always been a woman trapped in this um uh, in this body fortunately my yes. name is Shane, which can also be a female name so it's going to be a smooth transition for me shania T typically you put someone that claims this and is like they swear that this to be the case and you you put them in an mri and you give that MRI to a to a neuroscientist and a neuroscientist would be like yes this is a Shaniqua it has these it has feminine this is a feminized brain it has these aspects of it that are larger in some areas and smaller in other areas this this has these feminized features to it and I, so I told your Shania I like that you got to make yourself Shaniqua <laughs> <laughs> and so it, it, I, I mean I think that if a lot of people knew that it would do more good than being like we must let that like don't like i know you're confused when there's someone that looks like a dude looking into a uh, walking into a female bathroom but we're going to not explain what's going on <laughs> and just like say you must allow this um can you uh can you reiterate not reiterate whatever restate that are you saying that the mri shows sometimes that there's a mismatch because i'm wondering what what about cases where the mri doesn't show that because like that shouldn't have to be the requirement that shouldn't be a requirement but i just think that it's this interesting thing that the average person wouldn't know about oh i didn't even know that, that. so that most, this is that this is not most trans people have that going on or just sometimes they've shown it yeah, I think I think pretty often I'm worried that I'm incorrect about some of this and how and how and oh yeah, you gotta over, be by nature over, like we gotta and be overly incorrect. characterizing it. But yeah, this this is the general just just like people used to be in terms of gay rights. They used to be like, well, it's a, every, they're born gay. They you know they can't help you know that this isn't a choice or whatever. When people were trying to do like 
gay conversion therapy there are um there are there are features within within genes within genetics that where there's there's just things that get swapped and it's not like so when people are like a trans person is someone that is uh that's like insane it's a mental health issue it's like no their actual brain was always a female brain inside of a male body and probably having to live that way i imagine is probably fucking weird and and crazy but it's not it's not like this mental health issue I yeah mean, and maybe some of them are come of it like maybe yeah. i mean there might be select ones like uh some outliers who might be trans for five years and be like oh sorry guys i was i was nuts back then but most people probably not so i i think that in in that same way i think that understanding evolved in and out group biases that we all have understanding egocentrism not as like uh hey you have an ego you're full of yourself but in a we are all at the center of our own universe of perception there is no other possible way that's the constraint that we live in we tend to overvalue the information that is in our proximate area over say things that are going on in some state that I don't might be important that I don't have access to right now that, that like, you know, I, I, I can't work with, I can't suppose what is maybe happening somewhere else and work with that. So I tend to overvalue the information that I have, which is in this conversation right now. And because of that, I, I tend to neglect the, the things that are outside of my like limited range of, of, of what I can perceive. And I tend to emphasize like myself and advocate for my little perceived area and universe of perception that I'm in. And we all do this, not just with race, but with just endless things in life. And I think that that would be a more productive conversation than perpetuating the like the the issue with black lives matters isn't like i think that it's great because when it's pointing to hey this this social construct of of black which it is like it's not a race isn't a genetic thing it's a social there's like there's there's europe there's people that have evolved from europeans that are that are more sim genetically similar to some african americans than some african americans are to other african americans just by the weird nature in which evolution worked out oh um, interesting yeah it's counter it's basically so there was this huge pool of genetic diversity before humans started migrating elsewhere in the world we all evolved from africa and and there's a small pool that evolved and split someone was saying Europe. that and uh i think it's a mutual friend of ours and uh, he was saying like i know i get a lot of shit for this but i think we all come from africa and he was just <laughs> he was just saying it on a phone call so it's uh you know it's funny it wasn't um uh something he'd ever put out on a podcast or something but i like that <laughs> like look we're all africans here it's like oh yeah don't don't tweet that <laughs> well i mean we're all we're all humans and but yeah, the uh, fact that it's called race is weird because race implies that you wouldn't be able to mix the two 
like that but there is no race we're the same species clearly yeah yeah speciation happens when you can no longer breed so we're we're clearly the same uh species there there's there's two bird there's like uh, birds that look morphologically like very very similar um that you know can't can't breed with one another so they're two different species of birds did we did we come from africa or did we come from pangea in the little section that africa was in because the earth used to just have water and then one continent and then that one continent split off into the other five queefs and i forget when i forget when the queefing happened yeah who um, knows? <laughs> europe did it europe's like we don't want to be part of africa anymore so they they made their white tools and then they carved their whiteness out the yeah and then they conquered the world through colonialism yeah, it was mostly, it was more of a sun and skin tone getting vitamin D. Yeah, issue, but issue. I, I see what you mean by the, but, it's a, it's a social construct and it's not, it kind of depends and, and, yeah. and it's, it, and politically, I feel like whether it's okay to say that would change month by month, because if you say that it's like race is not a social construct, you cannot society your way out of race no matter how far up the ladder you go you will always be your race even if we wiped the memory of everyone on the planet you would still be racist even if yeah. you weren't a being even if you are a rock you would still have racial bias and you can right. only solve it by reading robin d'angelo's white fragility for 1995 and for a hundred thousand dollar speaking fee yeah, I think that there's always going to be some level of like bigotry and racism and that is no excuse to like accept it and there's also going to be there's going to be especially marginalized groups. I I think that I think that you take X race and give them, you know, tons of power and the ability to do whatever they want and they might at the very least like not think about and neglect if not take advantage of the people that don't have of y group that doesn't have those those uh those same advantages it wouldn't you know that i had a i had a joke that i never actually made into a joke so this is more of a premise that probably isn't even that good of a joke but something to the nature of the reason white people control the world is that they're on time and every other ethnicity just isn't on time like you look at the stereotypes like mine uh middle eastern people not on time black people not on time etc and then white people like show up 15 minutes early so they just they got to the place a little earlier and then everyone else is like no we can get there at 8 17 it'll be fine and then we lost yeah. the battle just like the the anxious ones won just like the type a's yeah <laughs> yeah there are there's all then there's all these like weird things that get selected for for bizarre reasons like it probably did benefit some people at different times to have more muscles and like males would be uh selected for that and now that everything is like thought work like it's not it's just not as tangible i think the reason why we still value like oh this like salt of the earth like working class or whatever is because you can you can like really uh, you know you can touch it like someone someone makes a widget or whatever in a factory someone builds a piece of furniture you can touch you can use that furniture you're like they did something like 
you you spend time you you can spend years crafting this perfect like set for a comedy show and um and people will be like huh did you just come up with that when you were <laughs> when you were up there it, it's <laughs> it's so hard to appreciate you know like what the what goes into thought work and i think i think just by nature of that because it's like then hard to monetize and it's hard to like see the value and judge what is fair for like a day's thought work when when like you can work harder in a hammock <laughs> than uh than someone than a lot of like factory workers do on an average day you can you can produce like way more beneficial goods for for the world without ever having left your bed than someone like on an oil rig like working their ass off and just like punishing themselves and determined and to like do a thing that we don't need more of it or, sucks you know, when bosses direction yeah it sucks when bosses uh, uh value that more than productivity where they're like they just want their employees to be at the desk like clacking and typing away at the computer regardless of what their output is yeah so a lot of people that are like well you sh you should be working harder yeah, yeah. So now we can see on your screen, like what you're doing all of the time. So now you just got to be like on your screen, like it's a treadmill, just like doing busy things to find like new tricks to like, oh, when I open these five windows and in these increments, I get like a raise and don't get yelled at. And it's, yeah. So, so there's a, this, this is, we're now moving into this world where, much of our existence is so dependent on these invisible forces that that it's such a mismatch for like hunter gatherers used to have this tangible we're going to pick berries we're going to like go out and get things and then there were things that you would have to imagine like keep an eye out for an invading tribe or where you might have to migrate next or something like that but for example, like the earth, the earth being flat was the best working model of all for every, every mammal on earth. That's the best model of reality to be working from until humans started needing to know that like the earth was round to have aspects of flight or space travel or for us to be communicating right now, there needs to be satellites in space. Like Someone had better know how this shit worked. Yeah. Like no one needed to know before we figured it out and then built our entire economy based on this knowledge. But now we we've, we've built a system based on information that most of us don't have access to. We've 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 built an entire system built on insane ideas about gravity working in ways that are so counterintuitive that like that time works differently uh the further away from the center of mass mm. uh, that that you need to know that just for your gps 
to work <laughs> and now you can't get to your GPS if someone isn't doing like insanely complicated calculations to figure that out. And so much of our very existence today is on someone <laughs> like knowing that shit. So now our faith almost has to be in understanding objective reality which is usually very counterintuitive to the to the many drives that got us to where we needed to go like rain dancing had a lot of utility back when like what else were you gonna do like start digging a trench or whatever you don't have a shovel right now you don't have like you might as well get your mind off of it and use this opportunity to like get laid or you know blow yeah. off some steam or whatever <laughs> So. Man, like, what can you unpack that a little bit? Like the yeah. being dependent on objective reality, on understanding objective reality, because like, because also you said we were standing on the shoulders of giants on giants on giants of giants. Like, yeah. I like I don't even understand the physics of a hundred years ago. Like, go go put me in that room with the you know the Copenhagen. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. gathering of Nobel laureates or whatever it's called. Like, I I don't know how to have a conversation with any of them other than maybe I can goof on the help, but I don't. Uh, yeah, and now it's like anyone can anyone can grab the book like a brief history of time and have like a pretty good understanding of the theory of relativity and you know like a day's time <laughs> you know something that like something that we we look to as as like holy crap this was this was the greatest genius we ever had and may ever have you can you can in a day like learn his ideas uh like and not as well as he knew them, of course, but like have have a pretty good gist of them. Th things that like if you went back before Einstein, if you were a time traveler and went back before Einstein, you could like blow physicists away with that information. And now we have a system completely dependent on like at at the time that Einstein's theory of relativity came into into being, there wasn't high stakes for understanding relativity until we used relativity to start putting stuff into space and communicating that way and whatnot. And now there's massive, massive implications to understanding and furthering that knowledge. And we just have to keep on abstracting and building um, better models. And it's never and going to be perfect. Yeah, we're still primitive too. Like in that our energy, uh, our energy efficiency, like, you know how they teach you in early science, like the amount of energy that's in this small potato could power the earth for like a hundred million years, but we only know how to extract like 0.0001% of it. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So like, I'm sure in a hundred years, if we don't destroy ourselves, which you always have to like add that to, to show that you're a good progressive and that you believe in, <laughs> in, in global well, warming and stuff. Like if we don't destroy ourselves because we're humans and bad and we're all about war, we'll look back on this period as being very primitive with our zoom calls and our transistors and whatnot well, that's that's a great example of like just how important it is to actually know what you're talking about because because you can like progressives are against nuclear power which is which is 
probably our best alternative right now, or, or certainly because like nuclear is hydroelectric, right? But just a different because that's the basis of it, right? I don't. Yeah, know. and it's it's cleaner, and it's it's basically the the evolution of energy is such that it's like we're high metabolizers, and we're these kind of efficiency recognizing tool makers, and 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 um and adapting to like what the next thing is and so like the amount of labor the amount of energy that like so the amount of food that you have to eat and stuff to be able to chop wood to go and extract the energy from that foot uh, from that wood to warm yourself around a fire is so much more than like um coal was you know then then coal was like much, much, you know, it might look like a lot of work to get it out of there, but it's still more efficient than using wood to burn everything. And then like gasoline is another um, magnitude of efficiency. And then, and, and then uh, like nuclear is just so, so, so you always have to put energy into the extraction process and the processing and the transferring of energy. But nuclear is just is so so much more efficient but the but the point is is that like an average liberal or a, or a liberal will be like oh i don't i don't believe in um genetically modified food it's like well then you don't believe in food <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah go look at the original banana the, the original banana is just a big pack of seeds and pus and then we had to like selectively breed it for hundreds of years to make it the edible banana that it is today same with it's everything so everything at the grocery store is a is a genetically modified version of what it once was you're a genetically modified being eating genetically modified things. Everything was genetically modified before there was a scientist uh, or even such a word as genetics. <laughs> Add respect to Soylent. Well, I want to see if they kept this language on their bottle. Oh, I guess they took it off their bottle. Interesting. The, the bottle of Soylent used to have a little section that said, we are pro-GMO. GMO means blah, 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 blah. Although most people think it means this other bad thing. We actually, so it gave that rap like condensed into a paragraph. But now I'm looking at the bottle and it's gone. So they had a change of heart, I guess, with that branding message. Yeah, that's, I mean, people just fall for like naturalistic. Oh, if it's organic, it's good. And, and that sort of thing. And, and, and yeah, it's an armpit I mean, hair toothbrush made with shaman <laughs> armpit hair. It's better than I, anything Crest or Colgate will give you because they're just rich, bad people. <laughs> and you have to trust me. <laughs> Everyone I have like just turns into that character. Like, <laughs> no. I mean, we're also like... Um... I, I feel I feel more detached from the bubble of LA and New York just because I've spent all of my living on the road and I was like a factory worker and whatnot. So I mean, not not that I'm like I see both sides objectively, but um, more I, than I, more than you most could hope for. I yeah, like even my even my special mating season. Um, creationists didn't like that I was talking about evolution. Liberals didn't like that I was talking about gender differences. Liberals have asinine things to, that they think about, about like uh, research on like gender and, and things like research, 
research on like mating behavior, um, for example, or uh, like why why like an a male elk behaves a certain way around a female elk. Like you're saying that that's right. To no, no one was saying that that is right or just or that it should do that or should do more of this behavior or less of that behavior. They were simply describing the behavior. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard <laughs> Naval Ravikant's whole rant about, um, I'm going to word it terribly, but something to the nature of uh, there's, a, there's a war going on between the hard sciences and the social sciences, and yeah. the contention point is in biology. That's where they're, they're meeting and like people are kind of afraid to talk. And uh, the the social sciences gained their reputation from the hard sciences because the hard sciences gave us actual working shit and transistors and all that. And as you, as you become more away from the hard sciences, it becomes less predictable. So like physics is more of a predictive science than sociology. And uh, yeah. And it is, it is interesting um, because there is a, there so there was like this uh, i i don't remember her name like barbara mcclintock who uh i think did um she did a lot of stuff on uh, she like revolutionized our understanding of, on how genetics looked by looking at corn and seeing that like um corn was like changing its genes in this particular uh way she did this like cryogenics i i don't I can't. Uh, my the liberal media act. has corrupted the corn, and that that corn is not. Well, she is basically like. There's been all sorts of stories of people where like normal science was like, "You're crazy! <laughs> like, get out of here! Corn couldn't do that." And then like she has to go uh, go off and like live on a farm by herself for thirty years, like believing <laughs> in her thing be before she finally is awarded like the nobel prize for being correct or whatever and so like things happen like people have always been like the whole the whole theory of relativity was was like einstein wouldn't approve a patent for uh everyone was trying to patent this idea of ether that was supposed to be like that's how mass hasn't collapsed in and on itself there must is that be the early model of dark matter ether yeah kind of like there must be this invisible force pushing everything away that's how we still exist and haven't collapsed in on ourselves. and have you heard einstein, the the or keep going with that einstein was basically like what's ether and they're like <laughs> well look either says he's like ah i can't i just can't give you a patent for that like the I, universe does like, not play dice <laughs> as, as like working the things out himself he was like, oh, here's what's going on. And then, and then like, revolutionized all of, all of physics as that a patent clerk. There's a, there's a theory floating around. It might be bullshit. I, I don't understand it well enough. So maybe some actual astrophysicist can chime in. But um, there's a theory that dark matter is not 95% of the universe. We actually yeah. might just have our proton radius measurement wrong and that would change the whole thing to to make things fit in better like instead of the proton being 
one point blah 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 it's actually 1.6 which accounts yeah. for because uh i learned recently that the the strong force is not an actual force it's a fudge factor that we put in there to make our equations work like gravity <laughs> is a real measurable force but the strong force is just a force we made up to to explain uh, why the nucleus of the atom can yeah can can hold itself together I'm it's a force it the strong with force exactly yeah the and strong it, nuclear and the weak uh nuclear force i think and, is what it's called and and scientists have been you know been bickering with each other back and forth and some of them have like had massive implications like the second um bomb that was what was it hiroshima was that hiroshima was dropped? nagasaki was, which one was the second one whichever the second one was it was like it was, Benihana, it was, yes, it was a Benny, Benihana. It was like five times the blast that it was meant to be because of this m miscalculation. There was like one material that they used. They're like, we'll do this material to like soften it, so it's not going to be like as as big of a blast. And then they're like, oh, whoops! It made it five times bigger. Uh, I think it was more than that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Shit. There, there yeah. was even like American like um, surveillance planes flying over to uh, to uh, that like got knocked out of the sky by the that were like thought they were like well with uh, out of range and like ships and stuff that thought they were like well out of range that were like whoa whoopsie daisy so Isn't you know like there there are major implications but the whole the whole point i was, I was trying to say is like this is always there's always stuff like bickering in academia happening um and one of which being like hiring issues and like who should be approved and and whatnot right now but never has it bubbled over into the populace so much and it's because a lot of these red pills are pandering to like these like macho tough guy like it, you know populist stuff like giving them like here's a you want to make fun of libs call them virtue signalers and then they're like <laughs> what's a virtue signaler okay yeah like give me a smart word to own these libs with and then call them a cuck this is what a cuck is and then they have like their new fancy science it's funny sounding. That, yeah that cuck like is is the worst thing that they could be but the people that the people the, the people that they call cucks are normally like, whoa, I don't see what's wrong with that. I mean, I'm not into it particularly, but <laughs> but my friend gets down with that all the time. My friend invited me to come fuck his wife, but I said, no, I just, I just wouldn't feel comfortable. But I've got a friend that'll come do that. And they videotaped it and they put it on X videos. And plus, and if you're a product of cucking, it, it, it means that you're like, you're, you're, um, uh, you have the genes of 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 of, of like uh, uh, you know f f physically superior um, dad, and then you had the upbringing of like a conscientious <laughs> like provider, intelligent, and then a, and then a mother that was adaptive enough to like <laughs> sort that out, or be a high enough value mate, or whatever else. And so, if you're a product of a cuck, you you probably have a superior understanding of cuckolding. Yeah, you've got you've got the bull's genes and the dad's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to rhyme it. It didn't work out well. That was pretty solid. Isn't, isn't the for a first one? go at it? That was pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, not a bad first take. 
I I like that. Um, isn't the, like when they map out the porn searches and like the number one search term and like the more red the state, the more into cuck and uh, incest porn <laughs> the searches are. I don't know what that says, but it's something to the nature of you know when it's a very like uh, stern Republican senator, he's the most likely to be caught with uh, like a gay prostitute somewhere. The, the ones that pass the anti-gay legislation are often closeted yeah. gays themselves yeah lots lots of projecting in there yes uh, that's the word yeah um but uh yeah so i and i do i think that there's a big difference between abstract thinking and concrete thinking because if you look at the difference in like political opinions like like take my like mega family members that I'm like, how could they believe such stupid things or like say uncomfortable like racial slang or something like that? But also they like show up to work on time each day and like, by golly, then you go to church every Sunday and you do this and the community and such and such and you go to the kids' games and you be a good father figure and you, and you know, like in all these like concrete like discipline ways, they're they're like like if you saw my room right now, I mean, it's disgusting, and and like I'm always like. I'm always paying more taxes than I need to because I don't file them on time or I forget their write-offs or I don't pay this and that. And I'm like getting my, you know, there's all there, there's, you know, there's no free lunch. And it does, it does seem like a lot of times people that are like really good at like these far out, like abstractions of like, Oh, I can piece together how like I can conceptualize how this um condition like like these sheep herders in this region in europe moved uh, were like these cultures of honor and pride was more important in their line of work because they could be victimized by people that had uh, uh that wanted to steal their sheep and and so they didn't take to insults very well and those people tended to migrate to the south in the early uh um, when when people started coming to America and there because they could be cattle drivers and stuff, and then there's these other things about being near the equator leading to a higher outgroup preference. And I can think about these things all day, and given the time, articulate them pretty well and come up with like novel ideas for like, well, what here's what we could do. Here's a novel idea we could do about, and I can barely tie my shoes. <laughs> You know, and I, I think you're kind of the same way and like a little, uh, well, your room's really clean though. And you, and you I'm, get a bunch I'm of like stuff done. I'm like particularly high functioning. I'm, I'm a very high functioning uh, artist, I think. Like I'm, I'm just yeah. good enough at, at business and staying organized to survive as an artist, but I'm, I don't see myself making an empire. Maybe I will, who knows, but making like those people that, build their empire and they figured out all the social media platforms and in the span of three years they go from nothing to being everywhere like that kind of business yeah. person i'm not that like I they think, know like they're, they're putting out stuff every day and it's clipped and like they know all the it's just so much 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but a lot of those people suck, you know. Like, I mean, <laughs> fair. It, it's usually I. I was always so bad at the business stuff because my early days in Boston. It was always whoever was good at putting together the stages and hustling and getting the gigs was always the worst comic. So I was like, well, I better not be good at those things because it apparently ruins your sense of humor. <laughs> and that, that was a false association that I was making. It's just that people yeah. that are like, people that are that good at that stuff can sometimes like elevate themselves despite having like talent deficits and or or you know good tastes in the I was such that an, they're trying it, to do. It reminds me of this idiotic thought I had when I was like six years old where I mean this this shows like the stupid mind of a sixth grader, but there was I don't know, there's this kid that was really annoying and and mean and like he had these uh he was like a, a, a big fat kid too. And I, I like that I prefaced that he was annoying and mean because if I started with the fat part, it's like, oh, come on, don't make fun of the fat kid. But uh, when like he was eight years old and I was six and in my head at that time, I remember having the thought like, I don't want to turn eight because what if I just become that kid? That kid's eight. Like when I'm eight, am I going to be like a big fat mean kid? And <laughs> like, I want to stay me and like that's clearly not how age works and i could have easily deduced that there were more eight-year-olds that were not like that for whatever reason in that moment i was like oh i i, I must find a way to never turn eight because i'll become like this monster Damien or whatever his name was um man i i just i I just trailed off getting excited about this podcast because as we're t thinking of business stuff, I'm just, I was actually thinking about this today. Mugs. About, Mugs you know the, as far as the eye can see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we will. I mean, first off, what's awesome is that you have sweet ass merch. And one of one of the coolest things that I've been able to do in recent years is actually have like cool merch with like, you know, the leather keychain. Not that they're not not that I expect everyone to be like, whoa, cool mushroom keychain. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure some people think that they're lame, but your average comic is peddling a like uh you know my butthole is you know, <laughs> don't like, sniff here and it's a picture of their butthole on a shirt and then it's got like randythompson.com randythompsoncomedy.com and, and so it's like you know to be able to have art like actual art as your merch is fucking awesome um but you know, I've been doing these indie tour. Like, it's going to be a while before I can tour anyway. Um, gives us enough time to build up this podcast. I don't see any reason why there couldn't... Even if this podcast isn't, like, some fucking crazy... Like, I already was like... We were already talking about finding a way for you to come on the road with me sometime anyway. Because, like, you know, we have, like, it's easy to... Um, uh, people like what you do and it's easy to like make extra uh you know it's it's, it's just a it's just a win-win um and we're both good stand-ups and both in a place where like 
we wouldn't be like leaving a lot behind to like go and go off on a tour and it wouldn't be that hard to set up. I already know how to set it up. I already have all of the um, connections and everything. And yeah, this, this would be a, this would be an easy show to like take on the road. Yeah. We like would two stand up sets and then yeah. do like a, and then sit and do like a, a live podcast or a Q and a with people or bring in like a guest in the area or you know whatever else yeah like the guest can do stand up while we roast them afterwards from the panel <laughs> or something no it'd be a perfect format and um like my mind isn't even partially there yet because here it's still one in three people have coronavirus which means that if someone came into my apartment statistically they would have it if, oh yeah if i have... don't have it I have like five year plans, like always. And so like a new thing happens and I can easily go, doo, 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 doo. oh, here's how I see where that would go. And like a lot of the things don't work out, but you know, then you form like a new model and, and whatnot and like go toward that. But that, but that's, this is like for, for an entry point, this is like just knowing that things could happen down the line. If, if, if people enjoy this, that we could, do a live tour so people could see yeah uh, i thought it live. Would be, i thought it'd be funny if because things kind of work out like this sometimes where the project that you don't think is going to be the one that does the best is the one that does the best so i thought it'd be funny if what if this becomes like our our main thing but our other things <laughs> aren't as big i think it checks uh i i think it just checks a lot of the boxes of what we do and it gets like you, you stop me from like blabbing for too long, getting too wrapped up in the thing and like interrupt and do impressions and say funny shit. Damn right. And, then, and I stop you from, and, and I stop there being a coherent train of thought. And I, and you stop a coherent train of thought from happening and that's perfect. And, um, and yeah and the, it, so anyhow it's just a it's a it's a good balance but um oh i and then i had two images from this spring to my head one is like i was thinking about the um as we start wrapping up probably oh yeah um, we're almost two hours right let's keep this one under two oh we're at two hours we're at okay. two hours so yeah we're just say that up. thought i'll say a closing thought and then we'll be good um I'll talk to you about this afterwards, but I, I was, uh, it would be fun if sometimes some of like your art was inspired by some of this too, cause it might help come up with idea. No, like no pressure, but that might be, uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, I, I was thinking of uh, when you, when you talked about the McRib, I, I was, I was thinking about like seeing a big bang and like the McRib coming out, but also like seeing a parallel universe where like, the Mac rib comes out or, you know, like the multiple As opposed different, to the Mick rib. Yeah. Where it's just like slightly different, you know, it, it, if the, the big bang goes like something like the Mick rib was always destined to happen, but there's like different parallel universes where it's just like a rib Mac or whatever. Do you know what I mean? One more time. I think Yosh uh, disrupted the feed. Um, has the power to stop the internet sometimes yeah i did see that so um it, yeah it, it's basically just that my point the difference between 
my point of view and your point of view is like a sliver. You think like the McRib was always going to be. I think that there is like slight variations that got selected for and something like the McRib was always going to happen within this universe, but not exact. like by like the, the first stable elements were the foundation for everything by the very nature that they were the first stable. Uh, there were plenty of unstable elements. There's no reason why elements can't be unstable. They just, you just don't see them because they're unstable. So you're yeah. never going to be able to observe them. But it's, it wasn't like exactly destined to be, you know? I like, um, I like that. Fun. I, I get down with that too. And uh, it makes me uh, think about low-hanging fruit and how sometimes it is a, an idea's time and it hasn't been uncovered yet and someone figures it out later. I think Jimmy Page or someone was talking about Jack White, the guitarist, and you know that one riff from one of the first White Stripe songs, the the one that's like... Like that's such an easy, obvious riff, but no one had come up with it until yeah, then. So yeah. it was it was floating there, but it could have been come up with like forty years ago, but no one had quite like just stumbled upon it. But he just he pulled it out of the air, like, oh, you guys missed this easy riff, and everyone's like, oh fuck, of course, but of in course. Del in Deltron thirty thirty, Del the Funky Homo Sapien, I think on their first album, he has a lyric that's like. Um, uh, that that's about like people don't make music; they articulate the music that like yeah that that already exists within the universe. People they capture articulate the music, liking to the music, and I can't even do it right. <laughs> yeah, right. Me and me and my friend used to do this character, like just not for anyone in particular, just when we were being idiots. And the character, as I'm sure you're about to guess, is Del the Funky Homosexual. <laughs> and it's just like Dell, but he just loves talking about dicks up his ass and like putting his dick in other <laughs> other guys' asses or whatever the cartoon. I bet he has sweet flow while doing it too. Sticking my dick in an asshole, rubbing it on my eyeballs. <laughs> if you want to see what I've seen, um, <laughs> and then I, I was thinking this I'm conversation on about large people. <laughs> I'm Sucking going to on stop it. you very soon. I will mute you. Uh, so <laughs> the to articulate the idea of like meaning the way that I was like trying to capture it, and I think like we're both kind of in the ballpark of thinking about it. I picture like a person walking toward a thing, or two people walking toward the same like objective reality. And one person is seeing a void and another person is seeing like a bouquet, you know, like a beautiful garden of like hope and promises and all that. But they're both going toward the exact same thing. Mm. They're it's just like, it's a drive. Like one person is like, oh, there's no hope. Look, I'm going to walk over there to point out how much their void of hope there is. And another person's like, it's full of wonder, but they're going to like the exact same. Yeah. Spot. It's the same, <laughs> it's the same spot, which emerges from it. Man. So, um, so but, uh, um, I don't know. So, yeah. 
So I think this is a great time with that. I think this is a great time to wrap up with our best catch catchphrase in all of podcasting. Yeah. So everybody, thanks for listening and keep salivating, honey. <laughs> is it, is it, what, did we did we land on keep salivating, honey? Or was it keep them salivating? Or was it we had this conversation? Oh, keep too. salivating, Barbara. No, that was it. Was just if there was another word in there or not. I abandoned keep, the keep, Barbara idea once I saw it. Keep on salivating. That's it. Keep, keep on salivating. Because there's keep on keeping yeah. on. Keep yeah, on yeah. salivating, <laughs> doggies. Ding. <laughs> Ding. Thanks for listening to episode one of Mind Under Matter. Tune in next episode where we talk about habit forming, motivation, and how we can do stuff instead of just sitting in bed and not doing stuff all the time. So um, yeah, keep listening as we become more structured, more focused, and more unfocused as we uncover everything on the podcast. And if you're not getting enough, be sure to check out our Patreon at mindunderpod. That's patreon.com slash mindunderpod. You'll get access to bonus episodes and you'll get access to an entirely new show called Mind Under Art, where Shane talks to me about art that I've made and what I was thinking when I made it. Send your questions, join the community, have a blast. Any last words, Shane? Yeah, I mean, it's one thing to passively listen and enjoy things. It's another to be uh, active, to get to participate, to get to uh, give us direction, to give us suggestions for topics that you want to hear more about, to tell us your favorite pieces of Ramin that you want to know the story behind. And Patreon is the way to do that. And it supports the show. But make sure and subscribe, like, all those things. Writing a nice review helps us out, helps out those algorithms and everything else. Obviously, we're brand spanking new, but we've already recorded a bunch. I think this is an incredible uh, podcast that I'm so thrilled to be sharing with you guys. So I hope you share in our excitement. This is the way. Shane doesn't watch Mandalorian yet. I and do, actually. Oh, really? Okay, good. Yeah, this is the yeah. Way. I, all right. I, and that's I'm Mind Under Pod. That's patreon.com slash mindunderpod. You're supposed to repeat the URL seven times for maximum salience. Maximum salience. Maximum salience. Mind under pod.